Hi, everyone. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to take a moment to address the Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe versus Wade. This decision stripped away the right to have a safe and legal abortion. Abortion is a basic healthcare need for the millions of people who become pregnant. Everyone should have the freedom to decide what's best for themselves and their families, including when it comes to ending a pregnancy. This decision has dire consequences for individual health and safety and could have harsh repercussions for other landmark decisions. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans. Even if you live in a state where abortion rights are upheld, access to safe medical abortions shouldn't be determined by location, and it shouldn't be the privilege of a small few. You can help by donating to local abortion funds. To find out where to donate for each state, visit donationsforabortions.com. That's the number four. If you or someone you know needs help, or if you want to get more involved, here are five resources. One, Shout Your Abortion is a campaign to normalize abortion. Two, Don't Ban Equality is a campaign for companies to stand against abortion restrictions. Three, Abortion.cafe has information about where to find clinics. Four, PlanCPills.org provides early at-home abortion pills that you can keep in your medicine cabinet. And five, Choice.crd.co has a collection of these resources and more. I encourage you to speak up. Take care and spread the word. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Reality Is. As always, it's Noor. How's everyone doing? Um, we are talking about we, I, I am talking to you and we are listening to me talk. <laughs> what am I saying <laughs> about, we're, we're doing this episode today about Love Match Atlanta and Realists of Atlanta and you should know that because it's in the description of this episode and the name of the episode. I am out of sorts. I'm having a bit of a, a mental break, obviously, as one can tell by the intro of this episode. Um, guys, things are rough out there. Okay, things are rough out there, but I am going to be dropping a whole bunch of content this week um, to hopefully distract everyone. So if you follow us on our Patreon, I um, covered a little bit of episode one and episode two of the Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip. Um ex-housewives in the Berkshires baby um, episode with my brother, Raheel. 
And so if you follow us on our Patreon, thank you. And um, you can follow us there, patreon.com slash the reality is to check that out. Um, and I will be covering episode three briefly also on next Sunday's episode for the Patreon, but also um, I will be talking about episode three and fully episode four of Ultimate Girls Trip, um, probably dropping that on Friday with Tom Hamlet, who we love so much. Um, turns out there's no Dubai this week. Um, I guess last week when they like had that weird like <laughs> selling sunset ending on that, that I guess maybe it was a mid-season point. I mean, I feel like we've only had like what three, four episodes. I don't know, but anyway, um, I guess I guess that's that. They're taking time off, I suppose. So I will be talking about rehearsals of Beverly Hills on our Saturday episode. I'll be dropping my chat with Tom Hamlet uh, about Ultimate Girls Trip on Friday. And then you are listening to this at some point between Tuesday and Wednesday. So that's that. Okay, let's talk about Love Match Atlanta first. So I've mentioned this every single week. I love this show. I'm fully sold on these people and their grift. (laughs) Some of them are grifting so hard and some of them um, catch the grift, okay? They identify the grift. They know the grift. They've been calling it out since episode one. I have so many theories. So this is the finale of the entire season. And last episode, we ended with uh, Paris and Joseph having, you know, a big blowout and a blowout, blow up, blowout, not a blowout, blow up. Uh, at the end of Shay's party, and we open this episode with Shay and Lamont just kikiing, having a key, uh, talking about the party, and then it's various shots of all these different people talking about Joseph and Paris. Did you see what happened with Joseph and Paris? And I strongly believe what I said last week, which is I do not believe that Joseph and Paris are actually together. I feel like this man roped this woman in to be part of the business, quote unquote, and be his girlfriend for the television show. And he got mad because she didn't want to dance with him. And then he started saying, the cameras catch everything. They have our mics on. Don't you get it? Don't you get it? That's what was going on there. So I don't think there was ever going to be a proposal. I just think this man was just cooking up a a little fantasy storyline. And I think the fact that um, they've spent a lot of time on camera hanging out with Ming from Colorblind International. (laughs) Um, And there's rumors about Ming being a, you know, uh, basically a fancy escort service. I'm not saying that Paris is an escort, but I wouldn't be surprised if Paris was uh, somebody who perhaps Ming supplied, if you will. Um, And basically, this episode ends with us finding out that Joseph and Paris had the big blowout and Paris left. She went back to North Carolina or wherever she's from. Yeah, Charlotte. Yeah. And um, so she, she moved out and... There's no business uh, transactions between the two of them. I mean, we found out that they were only together for six months. So I just – I call bullshit on the whole thing, okay? I don't think that that was a real relationship. The way it just kind of like, you know, kind of <laughs> bizarrely ended, like nobody seemed surprised either. It just – it was – it was, I called I called it. 
Um, Ming is now fully baked into selling us this idea that she has a bridal service. And then, and we re-meet this client that she had who she fat shamed. Um, and we'll get more into Ming's fat shaming in a bit. But she has this client come and try on this dress and all this stuff. And she's like, you know, this person is, uh, you know, they're they're getting married because of me because I matched her and her fiance. And again, I wonder to myself, was the fiance your client or was the girl your client? And I just, there's so many red flags with Ming's whole thing. And I'm like, damn, you are really desperate for more $100,000 clients to be coming on camera with a business that I feel like is very shady. Um, then we go over to Shay and the duo. Uh, Shay kind of has like just a chill episode. I mean, she's she's just there. She had a great episode last week. Uh, that was kind of her wrap up, her storyline. And then we go to the duo and we're not sure if they're going to be a duo or a uno. And at the end, we find out that uh, – we don't find out. At the end, we get a proposal – we do get a proposal and it's for Kelly and Kelly gets proposed to by her long distance bay. And now we're not sure if the duo will be together or long distance or what, but guys, guess what? I have been working over zoom with my, um, coworkers for two and a half years. So if I can do it, so can the duo. And I wish them the best of luck, but I just love this show. It was so fun. So shady, so chill. Uh, I just, I loved it. All right. Um, let's go over to Atlanta. So this episode, we open up on Drop It With Drew. Uh, she's doing a workout routine and it's like six people at a little gym in a strip mall. Okay. Drew is uh, planning a party there and we meet somebody who lost 22 pounds. So I feel like when Drew says that hundreds of pounds were lost, I think she knows 10 to 20 people who lost 10 to 20 pounds each. That's the vibe I got at that point. Um, we see Sonia at home talking to her sister about not wanting to have another baby. You guys, this is a very triggering conversation for me. And it gets worse as the episode goes on. Uh, then we see Sheree and Marlo head to a spa slash sauna slash infrared booth. And Candy joins them there as well. And um, Candy has somewhere else to be. And she is not – she's not fucking up her hair and getting into whatever that out, that thing was. Um, she doesn't want to get out of her outfit. She looks amazing, but she does not want to play whatever game these women are trying to play. I have a feeling that by this point, Candy has gotten wind of not just whatever – like has happened. I guess before this, has Candy heard what what these girls were saying about Marlo? I'm sure people did tell her. Like, I think she meets with Kenya later to talk about it. But guys, production Atlanta is small, and Candy Burris seems to know everyone. And I would not be surprised if at this point Candy's already heard all the shit Marlo had to say, sitting outside talking shit to Sheree about Candy having a pussy that's not good enough for her tax bracket or whatever it was that she said. And it's not just that stuff. I feel like if Marlo is bold enough to say that shit on camera, you know that she's saying way worse shit off camera. And it probably did get to Candy and she's like, fuck this bitch. But anyway, Candy's not playing. 
she sits in like a stand-up shower outside of the infrared booth and talks to them behind the glass like the way I used to get manicures during COVID. Um, Marlo tells Sheree to talk to Candy about the thing that's been on her mind, and Sheree basically says that she misses her close relationship with Candy and wish that Candy would check in on her, especially after the Tyrone stuff. And Candy's like, okay, first of all, I was waiting for you to come to me. I didn't want to, like, reach out to you and whatever. And I will call bullshit on this with Candy, which is like, Candy, it was all over the blogs. Like, it was all over the blogs. You could have definitely texted her and been like, hey, girl, holy shit, I saw that. But at the same time, I don't know if Candy is the type of person to be, like, scrolling through the Shade Room Instagram. Like, I just don't think that Candy is that girl. I feel like all the people around her definitely do, and all the people around her could have told her. But I don't think that Candy is seeking out blog information about her coworkers. And, but regardless, I think that Sheree has a great point, right? Is like, we were so good when we were in the smalls, and... We spent holidays together and all this stuff. And I think essentially what Sheree's trying to say is ever since I stopped filming on the show and now I've come back, I feel like we're not bonding again, which I understand. But again, I get Candy's annoyance here, okay? She's like, why is there so much expected out of me and no one gives me what you guys expect me to give you? Like if you guys really want Candy to be worrying about you and asking about you, you guys never ask about Candy, Like, yes, Candy comes and she shills at her products and she takes you to places. But, like, how many times actually have we ever seen a scene where anybody comes and asks Candy what's going on with her or how she's doing with her kids or what's going on with Todd or whatever? Like, nobody has done any follow-up about this janky apartment in Fort Lee, New Jersey that Todd dragged them to. Drug them to. Um... I just, you know, I get it. I get why Candy's annoyed because she's like, this is stupid. This is stupid and I'm not going to I'm not gonna take your bait. But she kind of does. Uh, Marlo turns it around on herself as soon as Candy tries to, ex- to talk about it. And she starts talking about Marlo's talking about growing up in foster care and not having parents, which is such a wild deflection. Like, it's such a crazy thing to say in real life. But as a housewife... <laughs> It's like, okay, this, okay, you're playing the housewives game. Okay, you're being crazy, but fine. Uh, Marlo shares about her situation that's going on with her sister, which again is a legitimate situation. It's genuinely really, really sad. And Candy's like, look, I know that this is really sad and I feel bad for you. And I get, I feel like she's getting annoyed because I think she's kind of like, don't make me pity you into giving you my time. I don't even have time for my family right now. I'm stretched so thin, right? And she says something like, my family says I don't even have enough time for them. Or like my family's saying the same thing. And Marlo's like, well, maybe you should work on it then. Okay, I feel like, I feel like Candy, I feel bad for her, right? Because we kind of talk about this later with like Ross and his situation where he says like, Oh, I have to be away from the family because I'm trying to do bigger things for my family. You know, all this stuff. I do think Candy is like we saw in Candy and the gang. She's doing so much for these kids. Right. And of course some of it is self-serving because she benefits when other people benefit, but she's genuinely trying to do a million things at a time. And we know that Todd doesn't do anything. Todd doesn't do shit. (laughs) 
he doesn't do anything. He doesn't even get a generator for the old lady gang. Like, he's not a helpful partner. So Candy is trying to just do everything and help everyone. And this little cast and crew, I guess, is just not on her priority, which I understand is annoying because it's like, bitch, you're on the show. You need to pretend to be your their friend. You can't just like sit on the side and do nothing. And as I believe Kendrick has mentioned before, and when I was on Mixing It with Monty, it was mentioned before, Marlo is making Candy work for her paycheck this time because Candy does get paid the most out of all these people. But anyway, Candy gets triggered and she has a very emotional reaction that I don't think any of these women expected from Candy. I think they expect Candy to be kind of a pushover and say, okay, yeah, I'm sorry, I'll try more. But again, like I said, I don't think Candy owes them shit. Um, Sheree calls Candy's emotional reaction a tantrum, but like, here's what was annoying. Anytime Candy was trying to talk, like Marlo was over talking her. So it's not even like Candy was allowed to say what was going on her side for before they popped off. Like Marlo was being extra. So Candy had to be extra too to make sure that she was heard. It was so corny. She starts crying because she feels bad. And then they come and hug her. But then later on, Sheree's like, oh, it was a tantrum. Mm, Sheree, why are you aligning yourself with Marlo? Because girl, it's a bad idea. Anyway, Sonia makes a meal to talk to her husband about the second baby thing. And this is what I meant about this whole thing being just like so triggering. First of all, I hate this entire fucking setup. This whole thing about make a meal and get sexy to explain to your spouse that you don't want to put your body through childbirth. Like this whole thing was such an annoying conversation It's such a stupid fucking storyline. And I'm not saying that she might not actually be wondering about having a second kid. But for this to be your storyline, Sonia, like, you didn't have to do that. This is is stupid, okay? I would rather watch you fight with your siblings or fight with your mom than this whole shit. And, like, also on top of that, to have to sit here and pretend like you have to – not even pretend – But to sit here and have to, like, explain to your husband why you don't want to put a baby inside of your body, and in order for him to understand where you're coming from, you have to, like, dress sexy and make him a meal? Fuck that shit, okay? Get the hell out of here. And then she's like, hello, I am not emotionally ready. Plus, sir, you are away all the time. You're in Austin. You're in Austin regularly for business, regularly to do other stuff. So you're doing things to grow our family and and help our family succeed. I can't be having a baby. And if he has some resentment about it, um, excuse me, your wife just got this chauffeur, little chauffeur business, national airtime. Okay. So don't, don't you dare have any resentment about the fact that she doesn't want to put her own body through having a baby. And all of this hap- like conversation taking place like right after Roe, like I just, oh, I can't deal with it. I cannot watch men on television or just exist in the world think that they have any entitlement to what happens inside of a woman's body. It is so fucking annoying and it's so triggering to watch and it just gets worse as the episode goes on. 
we see Sheree talking to her new business partner or business manager, uh, Tai, and they're talking about She by Sheree, where it was left off, and how much she's trying to grow. And we see all these little outfits. I don't know what kind of business meeting this was. This woman was in, on a FaceTime and driving her car. Sheree was just trying on clothes, talking about her shoulder moment. Regardless, show us the fashions, ma'am. Show us anything. Marlo is at La Archive enforcing child labor with the nephews um, because we find out that since a probably very traumatic conversation or call that FaceTime with their mother, they have been, as Marlo says, acting poorly. Um, she tells us that they have an older sister and she might be willing to go and see their mom to resolve the situation. And I don't know, like Marlo kind of like being like, oh, the kids are acting up. So I have to like get them back in line. They're, they probably are going through such severe trauma. Like last week when Kendrick was on, he was worried about like what Marlo might've been putting them through by having them take that FaceTime. And I guess like, I was hoping that she would just be a good munty and she would like handle the situation, but I don't know, Marlo, this is a mess. Cause like the preview for next week shows that she kicked her nephews out. What happened to, uh, you know, I went through foster care and my foster care girls can't even get hand-me-downs and now you're kicking your nephews out of the house. What? Marlo really pulled the sheep's wool over our eyes for the first few episodes because this is not good for her. Anyway, Candy, Kenya, and Moneta, who is Neo's ex, head to a, a candle making class. We met Moneta earlier in the season when I think Kenya had Brooklyn's birthday and Moneta was doing the most. She's fully auditioning, hardcore friend of. I have not, not seen this kind of desperation since Michelle Pius on Real Hustles of New Jersey. Okay. And Manera has more of a right to be on the show. She has children with Neo. Okay. The Neo. <laughs> Michelle Pius, she just has billboards over the Eisenhower Parkway in New Jersey. <laughs> the Eisenhower Parkway is like a four-mile road. Okay. <laughs> it's not much. <laughs> Anyway, um, Manieta's there and uh, they're talking about uh, just all the stuff with Marlo, right? Candy and Kenya just kind of trade notes about their issues with Marlo. And Candy tells them, like, yeah, we had a really weird conversation at the sauna. Okay, they tried to fuck up my hair. I was not having it. And Kenya's like, yeah, well, she was talking shit about you and your donations at the lunch the other day. And it's, you know, they kind of just agree that Marlo's idiot, an idiot. <laughs> Marlo is acting poorly. Um, they talk about <laughs> very briefly. They're like, yeah, are you invited to the drop it with Drew thing? <laughs> they're like, yeah. <laughs> they both kind of, Kenya and Kenya are like, we have no idea what the hell this is, but we're going to go. <laughs> and then they talk about the vibrating panties. And even Moneta is like, okay, I was with you about the vibrating panties until this thing about the husbands being there and their remotes working on cross cross vagina remote control. Like, that's a problem. And like, listen, Candy is so frustrating because she's like, oh, you're suddenly, you care so much. You're acting like this is, you're acting like such a prude, whatever. And you're screaming about your own pussy all over this store. First of all, Candy... I love you. So I come at you right now with great deal of respect. <laughs> I adore you. 
I would love to work for the candy factory in some way, in some capacity. Would you like to create a podcasting network? And I can be part of it. I'm just putting that self, myself out there. But listen, Candy, Kenya can scream about her own pussy if she wants to in public. That doesn't mean that she can be that she should be okay with random people's husbands buzzing at her vagina. That's not the same thing. Kenya can be as sexually positive or whatever or sexually active or express her sexuality in whatever way she wants, but not wanting to have her vagina buzzed by other people's husbands is a pretty reasonable thing to ask for. Just because she's sexually active or sexually fluid or not sexually fluid, but like sexually expressive doesn't mean that she should be okay with that. That's ridiculous, Candy. Like here's where I say, Candy, maybe you're too stubborn for your own good because this is ridiculous. But anyway, they squash it. They squash it like adults and Candy makes Candy's pussy candles. Okay. She says, Gwyneth Paltrow who, get out of my way. This is Candy's pussy. Um, anyway, we go to this drop it with Drew event and it is a a big showcase of the workout routine. They're going to be celebrating the biggest winners of the program and (laughs) everybody who comes there notices the very slapped together nature of the event and the location. Now this program that they talk about I remember like maybe this is like 2017. Oh, this is 2017 because it's right after I had my five-year-old. Yeah. So it's just 2017. There was a person like in our town who was creating this gym and I forgot what the name of it is. Um, but they were creating a gym and it was like, they had put posted this Facebook thing of like, oh, like I'm going to be, um, doing these workouts and, all this stuff. And it was almost like a CrossFit type gym, but, or something similar. And essentially you would go there and you would try out these different, um, workout routines. And it was all like kind of sold with this idea that like you could, you know, you would, you would just be doing like circuits and you would be doing it with a group and you would be losing weight and it would be like two or three times a week. I mean, it it was a little bit like CrossFit, but just not as like grueling, I guess, as CrossFit. Um, And it was fine. It was like the guy, it felt really bad for him because he was supposed to open a gym. He never did. The gym like kind of fell apart and he ended up having to like rent out a hotel room, ballroom to like do this work. I mean, either way, I really A for effort. He really, really tried. And this entire Drop It With Drew thing sounds like one of those programs. And those programs are like nationwide. Like you basically become a franchise owner of like a little gym and you get a bunch of different coaches. They do basically a bunch of circuits. They do a bunch of routines. And some of those people are legit like personal trainers and yoga instructors. But a lot of those people are just kids that they end up training so that they can run these different classes. And again, I'm not saying... Anybody should knock that kind of business. But by no means can you then claim the hundreds and hundreds of pounds of weight loss 
across multiple gyms. And this guy did that. The guy that was like selling us this program, he was like, so many people have lost weight off of my program. And then like I realized going on the other franchises of the same same business, I should really look up what the name of the business is. But I went and looked up if different franchises and they all had the same before and after pictures. So it's like, did that person even exist at your gym? I don't think so. And I think essentially that's what Drew is doing with this woman, Jackie. Anyway, long story short, the thing is very haphazardly slapped together. Um, Everybody gets there and they weigh themselves. And I just want to say, adult women weighing in the 150s and 160s and 170s and 180s is, and even more, is perfectly fucking normal. Okay, first of all, these women are stunning, okay? They are gorgeous women. They have curves. And they are all like, oh, the scale is lying. I'm not... You should, nobody should be in their 120s, okay? Nobody should be weighing 120s in their 40s and 50s. That's crazy. That's not a weight that adults should have. I feel like that's just like the weight of your bones. And it's just, it's so crazy because I think they were constantly saying stuff like, oh, that's the scale is wrong, blah, blah, blah. Because I think that they do still exist. And unfortunately, society does still exist in a world where women are expected to weigh like 120 pounds or less until they're dead, okay? <laughs> and that's why everybody has a fucking eating disorder. But I was just really happy to see that the Atlanta women aren't just like I, – I, I was happy to see their weight because I feel like there should be more – like you know the Beverly Hills women would never, ever step on a scale. They would never step on a scale. I hope that they wouldn't make them. Like, I would never want them to make Crystal step on a scale because she has a legit, like, eating disorder. But, like, you know they would never do that. And you would – Rena would weigh herself and she would weigh 105 pounds and she'd be like, oh, my God, this is too much. And that would piss me off even more. But I also just, like, I want the Atlanta women to know that their weight is – any weight is normal as long as you have a life that you can live the way you want. (sighs) Anyway, um – Marlo gets there, fully ignores Candy. Sheree comes in with full She by Sheree merch. And guys, I have to say, it is definitely, um, it definitely looks like somebody knows how to use a cricket machine really well. <laughs> That's all it was. <laughs> anyway, Sonia um, is there before the workout starts. This is, this was so per- fucking perplexing. Like, Sonia, what are you doing? Sonia pulls Ralph aside to talk about Ross and the second baby stuff. I was like, what? Number one, let me just say this. I hate Ralph and Drew, okay? I hate them so much. But Sonia, you don't get to yell at somebody's wife and then go up to, like, you can you don't get to yell at somebody and then go up to their husband later talking about life advice. I would not be okay with that. That's fucked up. But also, don't ask Ralph for advice. Not this man. No. I don't know what the fuck she's thinking. Anyway, everyone gets together and um, Candy pretty much is like, hey, Marlo, heard you had something to say about me. And this is where, again, I appreciate Atlanta because everyone's like, yeah, everyone had something to say. Let's not all act like we didn't all talk shit. But then they're like, who told you? She's like, well, I had a conversation with Kenya. And it seems like you have a lot to say about me. Then they're doing the workout, which seems quite grueling. And uh, Drew can't do it. 
Um, Todd gets a phone call and it turns out someone jumped their gate and they leave to go take that phone call and everybody else who's trying to work out also leave. They all leave Drew's little presentation and um, then Todd and Candy leave as well. Um, While they're exercising, Marla says, I don't do exercise. I just do lipo. Isn't that what Drew does? Work. I'm glad that you admit it, but please do not call out other people's bodies. Thank you, Marlo. Um, and then Sheree, Sheree calls Drew a busted can of biscuits. Oh, I forgot to mention this during the Love Actual or Love Match Atlanta recap. Fucking Ming is like, oh, maybe Shay should wear black. It's quite slimming. Fuck you, lady. What world do you live in? What were Sheree, why are you calling Drew a busted can of biscuits? Ma'am, that's not okay. You cannot talk about people's bodies like that. No wonder they're all like, oh my God, 155 pounds is too much. I hate it. And by the way, Drew weighs 155 pounds and Sheree weighs like 160 pounds. So like, Let's not sit here. And I'm not saying that one body is better or weighing less is better. But, like, that just goes to show how little the fucking scale matters. But also, Sheree, you don't get to call people's – you don't get to talk about people's bodies. Like, people's bodies that way. It's fucked up. Anyway, this is when we find out the name of the woman who is actually running the business. This is woman Jackie. She's doing the business for years. And Drew has essentially slapped her name and face on it, like True Hue Beauty or Sonia by Sonia Morgan or Kyle by Shahida, or any of the things that Dorit does, Beverly Beach Beauty, whatever the hell that was, all of those are essentially the same thing. On Twitter, uh, Know That Podcast, I believe it was Donnie, asked, where would you rather be? Would you rather do All In by Teddy, or would you do Drop It by Drew? And I would do Drop It by Drew, because I don't think that they actually give a shit about what you do once you join the program. I think they just like take your money. They just take your money and they don't care if you do it or don't do it. It's up to you. Lose the weight. Don't lose the weight. Go fuck yourself. Who cares? All in by Drew. Those women are psychotic. Okay. First of all, it's a full on eating disorder. Secondly, um, I believe she yells at you. And third, she kicks you out if you don't lose the weight (laughs) and she takes your money. So, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so that's that. Kenya now arrives, and now they all decide to talk about Marlo's beef against Candy and Kenya. And Kenya does tell them, yeah, I talked to Candy. And Candy basically sh- says she doesn't fuck with Marlo anymore. This triggers Marlo to the umph degree. And this is what I don't understand. Marlo, you came into the event. You were so rude. You didn't say hi to Candy. You just had a meeting with her at the sauna where you were, like, yelling at her. So if Candy doesn't want to fuck with you, that's not a big deal. Now, Candy sa- Kenya says Candy doesn't want to fuck with Marlo anymore. Marlo gets super triggered and activated, and she just reverts back to classic Marlo, you know? It's like Kenya says, it's the Marlo that we know, the one who talks about Kenya's life, her mother, her husband, her ex-husband, her butt, her daughter. She gets into Kenya's face. And Kenya drops the best, one of the best lines I've ever heard, which I'm going to call the name of this episode. It is, she calls her a, a pitiful little hoe. She says, you pitiful little hoe, which is perfect. This is why I love a twirl. Anyway, Kenya leaves. Marla tries to run after her. 
And then Marlo has the audacity to say in, con- in the confessional that Kenya keeps coming for her, which I'm very confused about. Kenya's not coming for you. When did Kenya come for you, Marlo? She didn't do anything to you. You yelled at her about not showing up because she was sick. Then you talked about her, like talked cash money shit about her. Okay. And then you're still mad at her about all kinds of random shit. And now you're mad that she told Candy what you were saying about Candy? Okay. At what point did Kenya come for you, Marlo? I'm not I'm not sure. Where? When? What's great is everyone is comforting Kenya. Nobody actually cares about Marlo in this situation because they realize that she's acting like a lunatic. But everyone comforts Kenya and Kenya leaves. She says, I'm a Barbie. I don't need to be here. And then Marlo tells Manetta that she doesn't talk about people's husbands, mothers, or children. And then, of course, the editor shows us all the times that Marlo definitely does do that. Um, and that's it between Marlo and Kenya. Again, I'm just I'm very confused about all of that. I saw somebody on Twitter say that, like, I think that Marlo is expecting Kenya to continue to get her villain edit that she's gotten over the years and that she would just, like, coast on that, on the anti-Kenya train. But, like, there's not much to hate about Kenya this episode or this, like, even this season. She's doing great. She's having a great season. So I don't know what the hell Marlo was thinking. Um, But I do think that Marlo is – uh, I do think that Marlo probably has real life stress at home. Like obviously the stuff going on with her sister and stuff, but she's letting that possibly bleed into her situation with the women on the show or maybe filming. I'm not sure, but it's bizarre the way Marlo is behaving, but maybe this is just who Marlo is. Um, Sonia and Drew talk and at this event and Sonia apologizes and then they're talking and bonding and Sonia's talking to Drew about this whole raw second baby thing again. I have to say, Sonia, you do not get advice from these idiots. These are not the people. But even it almost seemed like Sonia went to go get advice from Drew and Drew gives the same advice as Ralph did, which is like, she was like, you know, sometimes you should have to like put your feelings aside and have the baby for your husband. And Sonia has this look on her face like, that's crazy. So almost I think maybe did Sonia purposely have that conversation with Drew so that Drew could look like an idiot on camera? Because then I say, good job, Sonia. But I will say, please don't take their advice. It is not a good idea. Um, we find out that <laughs> Kenny and Todd are home. We're getting some iPhone footage. And we find out that a man pretending to be T.I.'s son and Beyonce's family member came to see Candy Burris. And that person was arrested. And they were, I guess safely transported elsewhere. Everyone at Candy's house was fine. Bingo, bango. That was done. Beyonce's nephew came for an audience with Candy Burris. Next week is going to be a sexy sleepover pajama party, which I'm very excited for because there is historically a very fun pajama party in Atlanta that uh, you could go back and watch, but it's a very infuriating party if you are a Kenya fan. Or if you're not a Kenya fan, because over the years you feel like she's been terrible, I would suggest you go back and watch the uh, pajama party that Nini threw in a hotel in the middle of the afternoon um, where a fight breaks out and Apollo goes crazy and then Candy gets into a fight with somebody. I would suggest you go and watch it because I'd say hashtag justice for twirl, okay? Because... um, They were terrible to her. They were terrible to her for no reason at all. 
And I feel like Marlo is trying to still ride that. It's not working for her. It's not. Um, well, that's it for this episode. Uh, like I said, I will catch you later in the week with some content uh, with uh, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and uh, Ultimate Girls Trip. And do check out the Patreon where we talk about episode two of Ultimate Girls Trip. Take care, everyone. Bye. The reality is is now on Patreon, and here are some of our fabulous supporters. Chastity Davis. Don't be fooled by my name. The only thing I abstain from is your bullshit. Jessica Riley. Where I come from, money can buy you anything, but I'll take the garbage plate. Seiran Hayati. In Sweden, we have ABBA, IKEA, and if you mess with me, some other four-letter words. Kelly Payfer. I may be from down under, but don't ever underestimate me. Richie D. If you can't be cool, you can't be with Caduce. Megan Shaw. I may be a mom. Model, but I'll never be your model minority. Becca Simon. It gets icy where I'm from, so you know I'll bring the heat. Jill Hirsch. Your petty drama can't take this warrior down. Jamie Allrunner. Where I come from, we're known for our great lakes, but I'm just known for my great ass. Sarah Gibbs. You may not like the cut of my jib, but that's what you get from Sarah Gibbs. Maria M. Where I'm from, they sing God Save the Queen, so I guess you can call me a god. Jill Walsh. I made it up this hill myself, and I'll kick any jack off. Jesse Willis. I may not run in traffic, but I'll give you a run for your money. Eleanor Manning. I run with a fabulous circle of people, and they're not even on my payroll. John Friedman. Diamonds aren't a girl's best friend. John Friedman is. Sarah Watkins Bilstein. Playtime is over. This mama means business. Laura Zielinski. Whether it's breast pumping or fist pumping, this Jersey girl brings the party. Amanda Agosti. Everything is bigger in Texas and my heart is no exception. Tracy Masters. When you're the master of your own destiny, no one can ever take you down. Marl Farsi. Reading is fundamental and in Farsi, the reads are monumental. Tracy Newman. My presence is a gift, so remember the thank you note. Lola Del Rio. Whatever Lola wants, Lola gets and I get it all. A date at Adoko. It may look like I'm stirring the pot, but I'm actually just smoking. Deepa Canapoli. Some people say I have secrets, but at least they're not federal indictments. Jada. People are intimidated by my great success and my great ass. Naveen Jonathan. I'll give you the shirt off my back and also my unsolicited opinion. Hadil Ibrahim. Some things are too hot to handle, like me and the tea I spill. Trinity Supermanium. I have four degrees and eight syllables and zero fucks to give. Beth Bayer. The secret to my success is staying out of your BS. Shannon Anthony. There's no fun in moderation, but there's plenty of shade. Rita Ryan. Don't be fooled by my Midwest charm, because I'm nobody's fool. Brianna Tony. Some people strive for perfection, but I'm already there. And lastly, Tanisha. While others are turning tables, I'm dancing on them.